Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Those daily updates. So every um, message this summer, we're starting them off with a top 10 list. So um, since we had so many guy events in announcements, we'll do a little something for the ladies. And we have the top 10 most expensive items of jewelry in the world. All right. Everybody wants these. All the guys are like, don't show those. We don't want (laughs) that diamond that I bought my wife. Well, it looks small. Anyway, so the very first one, number 10, is is a Chopard 201 carat watch. $25 million. I'd wear that. (laughs) It has 874 diamonds. Can you imagine that? All right, number nine is the Hutton Devani Jadeite Necklace. $27.4 million. Who would wear that? Let me see hands. All right, we got two, three. No, we got, there's a couple. Yeah. I don't think I'd wear that. I'm just going to just say... Probably not that. Uh, number eight is the Graf Pink Diamond. It's a 24 point, yeah, they're already, yeah, we'll wear that. 24.7, um, eight carat diamond worth $46 million. You guys didn't know these existed, did you? I didn't. Uh, number seven is the Blue Moon of Josephine. The diamond named after the owner's seven-year-old daughter. I'm guessing she's not inheriting that one day, you know? Can you imagine that? $48 million. Next one is a necklace. L'incomparable. Uh, diamond necklace. Worth 55, I can't do that twice. <laughs> worth $55 million. And the, the interesting thing, the, the main diamond on this, the big diamond, was found in a pile of mining rubble in the Congo by a young girl. Can you imagine me that that little girl? Look what I found, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just digging through rubble. Uh, number five is the Oppenheimer Blue. It's another diamond. Owned once owned by Sir Philip Oppenheimer, worth fifty-seven million dollars. Number four is the Pink Star. A lot of diamonds here. Pink Star, seventy-one million dollar diamond, fifty-nine point six carats. That's I don't know. That's looking kind of big. I don't think I wouldn't wear that, right? Um, maybe. So, where are we at? Number three is the Witzelbach, Witzelbach Graf Diamond, worth $80 million. First owned by King Philip IV of, of Spain. Now, an interesting thing about this, you see how it has a hole in the middle of it? They actually recut this diamond. It was, it was like a $50 million diamond, and it had some flaws in it, and so they recut it at a huge risk, and it ended up being worth $80 million. So, they it actually became worth more. Number two is the peacock brooch. 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 What do you... Brooch. It looks like brooch. I don't know. Brooch. Worth $100 million. 120.81 carats. All right, so who would wear that? Let's see. Yeah. We just wear it all the way to the bank, right? I mean, and sell that thing. 
uh, the, the little peacock in the middle will actually detach, and you can wear just the little part, you know, for like 40 million. You know, so you have to have the whole thing. Does anybody know what the number one most expensive item of jewelry is? Hope Diamond. Man, you guys know your stuff. I didn't know this. Uh, worth 200 to $250 million. So I did a little research on this. One of the most widely recognized jewels in the world, the Hope Diamond, is a 45.42 carat fancy dark grayish blue antique cushion cut diamond worth approximately $250 million. Since its initial discovery in Golconda, India in 1666, the diamond has changed hands numerous times. The diamond was originally purchased by King Louis XIV in 1668 and dubbed the French Blue. The diamond remained in the possession of the French royal family until 1792 when it was stolen during the French Revolution amidst a looting of the crown jewels. Can you imagine being that looter? Look what I found. $200 million. Um, the jewel reappeared in 1839 in the gem collection catalog of Henry Philip Hope. After passing through several more owners, more owners, it was ultimately donated to the Smithsonian Institute, where it remains on display today. Anyone ever seen that in person? Is it pretty? It's very pretty. You thought it'd be big. Did they let you hold it? No. no. <laughs> A lot of glass. Isn't that crazy? So. Anyway, so that's our top 10 for today. Uh, we're in a summer series titled Top 10, a study of the 10 commandments, and we're walking through God's original top 10 list, which is the 10 commandments. You can turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Uh, just to recap, the children of Israel uh, have left Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're now at the base of Mount Sinai, and God is giving them his original top 10 list the Ten Commandments, and we have been walking through these this summer, and so we have gone through the first seven, no other gods, no idols, don't misuse God's name, honor the Sabbath day, honor your parents, you shall not murder, and last week was you shall not commit adultery. If you missed any of those, you can go online and get caught up, but today we're going to be studying number eight, so here's our scripture, Exodus 20 verse 15 says, you shall not steal. In the King James, it says, thou shall not steal. That's how I memorized it. And then in the message, it says, no stealing. <laughs> Got it? No stealing. So our message today is you shall not steal. That's our title. And, uh, and I was thinking through, as I was preparing for this message, I'm like, we, we kind of get this one, God. Right? I mean, it's you go to jail if you steal, right? So we, we understand this. And um, God was reminding me this week how prevalent this is becoming in our culture. And I'm going to talk about some of that later in our message that was personally convicting to me. Um, but everybody has heard, I'm sure now, by now, the smash and grab mobs that are going out. They just, they go, they get a whole bunch of people all together and they just go in, smash the windows and steal as much as they can and run away. Um, on Friday, you might have seen this in the news, but on Friday, there was one of these, you know, mobs in L.A., and they broke into a 7-Eleven, and it was caught on video, and the video is just alarming at the number of people who had no 
qualms about running in and just taking anything that they could. Why? One, because they could get away with it. But two, because everybody else was doing it. Right? This is prevalent in our culture today. And we're going to hear what God has to say. First of all, it's a commandment. It's in his top 10 list, thou shall not steal. Um, But he actually talks more about it, and we'll read that today. So uh, let me pray, and I'll give you some thoughts on this scripture. So Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to hear from you today, that you would give me your words to speak. And Holy Spirit, we, we just simply give you this place, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Convict us, challenge us, encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can fill this in on your handout if you'd like. We break number eight when we take what is not ours to take. Exodus 20, verse 15 says, you shall not steal. The, the, uh, the word steal in Hebrew is this ganab, sounds like that. It means to thieve, to deceive, to carry away, secretly steal away, get by stealth. So according to God, stealing is wrong, taking what is not ours to take. Isaiah verse 61, I'm sorry, chapter 61 verse 8 says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. God hates robbery. He's pretty passionate about it. Scripture says that if someone is caught stealing, that they were to repay it. Um, I was like, does it say in Scripture that you cut off the hand of a a thief? I'm like, no, it it doesn't. That's in the Muslim uh, faith that they go something severe like that with with someone who's caught stealing. But in Scripture, it says you must repay it. So in Exodus chapter 22, it says, whoever steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. And if they didn't have ox or sheep to pay back, then they were sold into slavery until they were able to work off their debt. So if someone is caught stealing in God's kingdom, they are to pay it back with Interest. There's an example in the New Testament of Zacchaeus. Anyone remember the the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man? Yeah, he was. All right, so so Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he climbed up a tree because he was short and he couldn't see Jesus, and Jesus calls him out. Anyway, he becomes a follower of Jesus that day. Now, tax collectors were not liked in that culture because they worked for the Romans who were... Um, over, we're, we're controlling the Jewish people, but they, they were Jews, and they understood the Jewish family. They knew everybody, and so they were basically talking about them and, and giving insider information, and so they would take, and they because they understood how much people made, and they knew how much to tax them, and so they would collect the money from the people. They couldn't be lied to, and they'd give it to the Roman government, and so they were hated. They were considered traitors. Uh, But what the tax collectors would also do is they would collect more than they needed to because they could. Whatever they said, the Romans would enforce, the guards would, and the soldiers would. So, you know, they may collect $100 from you, for example, and give the Romans 80 and pocket 20. And so 
the tax collectors were hated, but they were also pretty wealthy. Well, that day, Zacchaeus became a follower of Jesus. And so everybody started to grumble. And this is what Zacchaeus says in Luke chapter 19, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So Zacchaeus knew that the law required if you're caught stealing, you have to pay back four to five times as much. So he offered that amount. Now, there were different types of stealing that was found or described in Scripture. Of course, we're talking about money, stealing of sheep and goats, uh, and even the stealing of land. So uh, in Proverbs chapter 22, it says, Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. So people would take a boundary stone, and they'd just simply pick it up and move it 100 yards to the right, and now their land was 100 yards wider. You know, so they would just just take land from their neighbors. Now, there was also stealing in trading, and uh, there's actually several scriptures where God says that he hates differing weights. Differing weights. I'm like, what are differing weights? So I, I looked it up, and here's an image of a scale that would have been used to weigh out items for purchase. And so you might be weighing out grain on this side, like, on this side, like a pound of grain on this side, and then you would put go ahead to the next slide, you'd put like these weights, a pound weight on the other side. And so you would have this and you weigh it out. And so you'd know, okay, I'm buying or selling a pound of grain. Well, this is what God says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 13. He says, do not have two differing weights in your bag, one heavy, one light. Do not have two differing measures in your house, one large, one small. You must have accurate and honest weights and measures so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does these things, anyone who deals dishonestly. So what they would do is they'd have in their, in their weight bag, they'd have heavy weights and light weights. And so if they were going to be purchasing something, right, they would, the, the person would put a pound on there, and they would go ahead and put like maybe, you know, a pound and a half weight on there and say it's a pound, right? And so the scale would go like this, and so the, the guy selling it would have to put another half a pound on it to measure out because he's saying this is just a pound weight. It's a heavy weight. And so they were misrepresenting, and they would get a pound and a half of grain for the price of a pound. And then they'd do the same thing when they were selling. So they would have Again, it's marked as a pound weight, but it really was only three quarters of a pound. And so they pull that out, put it on there, and they pour three quarters of a pound of grain on the scale and balance it out and say that that's a pound. And they would get, you know, a pound's worth of money to them. Well, God hated this. This was, this was stealing. They were misrepresenting what they were selling. And it was dishonest, right? And they were taking Money that was not theirs to take. So I was thinking about that um, in our culture, and I'm like, well, how does that work? How would that apply to us? So I, I thought of the fact that most of us here have probably sold a car before, right? We've probably sold a car, maybe traded one in. 
And you know what we do typically, if we're posting this on Facebook Marketplace, we don't typically say, yeah, when it gets up to about 45, the whole front end starts to shake, you know, and there's a rattle in the trunk that I can't figure out what it is, and the brakes are probably about shot, but you know, I got some tape on them and hold them together. We, right, I mean, we don't do that. We're like, we... We take photos of it in just the right light, you know. There's a scratch on the side, so we don't take a picture of that side. You know, I mean, what are we doing? We're representing, we're misrepresenting what we're selling in hopes that we'll get maybe more money than it's worth. See, in that case, I I believe that we're taking what's not ours to take through dishonesty. That's stealing I was talking to God about this this week, and uh, he said, remember back in the 80s? <laughs> I'm like, Let's not talk about the 80s, God. Um, but I remember back in the 80s, so I, I listened to Christian music back in the 80s, a lot of Christian rock music, and there weren't any radio stations in our area that would play it. So the only way I could really listen to it was to buy these little square things called cassette tapes. Anybody remember? You know, there's a few... All the young people, what is a cassette tape? Well, there were records, there were eight tracks, and there were cassettes, and then they did CDs, and now they just stream everything. You guys don't even know what that all is anymore. But anyway, so I would buy these cassette tapes for like eight bucks or ten bucks, and, uh, and I would listen to them. And then one day for my birthday, I got a wonderful present from my mom and dad. It was a Sanyo double cassette boombox. That actually fits on the shoulder, just so you know, yeah, with eight, ba- eight D batteries in it. You could walk around and be cool back in the day with my long hair, and I had a bleached tail, too. So anyway, so, <laughs> but anyway, so you have this double cassette. What was cool was that you could create your, your own mixtape, like the best song from a tape. You could record it. So I was mixing tapes long before that was cool, right? But... <laughs> But what you also could do is you could borrow somebody else's cassette tape that you didn't purchase, and you could record it, and then you would have that cassette tape. And then you could do the same thing. You could record, you know, your cassette tapes onto blanks and give them away, give them to other people. And I did this a lot, and I just thought, you know, sharing is caring, right? I mean, we just, I care about you, you care about me. Let's just share. <laughs> but over time, God spoke to me about that because it's actually illegal, just so we want to know. I mean, if everyone wants to know, you can't do that. That's illegal. And in God's eyes, it's stealing. It's stealing. So I stopped doing that. But then along came something called Napster. Anyone remember Napster? <laughs> yeah. For those of you that don't know, Napster, this is the computer world, Napster is a program that you ran on your computer where it was a file sharing program and you could um, share your music to people around the world and they could also share their music to you. So again, somebody bought the original song or CD or whatever and then you could load on your computer and then share it to people around the world. And it was shut down, I'm pretty sure, because it was illegal. It was stealing. It was stealing. And so I asked God, I said, well, Napster's not around. I don't have my double cassette tape deck anymore. 
we stream, you know, music like Apple Music. So that's kind of a different thing. What is similar to this today? And he said, well, Clint, you know that sharing Netflix passwords is actually illegal? <laughs> no, it can't be God. So I did a little research on it because you can have separate profiles. And I did a little research, and, and this is what Netflix actually says on their website. They said that password sharing of Netflix to people outside your household is illegal. And the definition of household is they live in your house. Ah. So I removed my Netflix account from my son's account, my profile from my son's account this week. Um, and I thought, but, but God, he's, he's my son. I'm his dad, right? I mean, he doesn't live with me, but he did at one time. And, and Netflix will never know. I mean, what, what's, what's wrong with this? Well, even though Netflix doesn't know, God knows. And you know what God thinks about theft and stealing? He hates it. He hates it. Here's your feeling. Our integrity is worth more than $119.88, which is an annual subscription to Netflix. Well, hang on, it gets better. I know some of us are like, I don't like this message. I think it's time to go. Um, yeah, it's convicting. It's convicting. We break number eight when we take what is not ours to take. Point number two is we break number eight when we keep what is not ours to keep. When we keep what is not ours to keep. Vicki Umoto needed to furnish her new home cheaply and could not believe her luck when she found a sofa set being given away. I just moved in and I don't have anything in my house, she told ABC 57 or ABC 7 from her home in Colton near Los Angeles this week. I was so excited, so I picked it up and brought it in. But it turned out there was a whole lot more to the giveaway than met the eye. The lump she found inside one of the cushions turned out to be several envelopes filled with cash, $49,000. I was just telling my son, come, come, come. I was screaming, this is money. I need to call the guy. Isn't that interesting? That was her first response. I need to call the guy who gave me this couch. So she called the people who had given her the couch, told them of the bonanza, and returned the cash. The family who were clearing out the home of a loved one who had recently died said they had no idea where all the money had come from. By way of thanking her, the family gifted a surprised Miss Yumoto more than $2,000, enough to buy the refrigerator she needs for her new home. I was not expecting a dime. Miss Yumoto could have easily pocketed that $49,000. And nobody would have known, right? Nobody would have known. But God would have known. My hope is that if I was in that same situation, I would have done the same thing. But man, wouldn't that have been hard? That would have been a test to do that, especially in our culture today, where they say, you know, just take what's not yours and keep what's not yours. If you see it 
Hang on to it. But when we keep what is not ours to keep, it's stealing. So this week I was brainstorming this, and I thought, well, what are some areas where this might apply? And so I found three areas, just thought of three areas, and I think they were God. Um, the first one is this, areas where we can steal by keeping is when we are undercharged. When we're undercharged and we don't tell anyone about it. Um, when I was in college, I lived in a, an older apartment, upstairs apartment, and I went to Kmart to pick up a couple of gallons of paint to paint one of the, the, one of the rooms. And, and I remember I was walking out in the parking lot, and I was looking at my receipt because it didn't seem quite right. And, and I looked at it, and I noticed that they had only charged me for one gallon of paint instead of two. And, uh, and my theology at that time was a little different than it is today because what I said is, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And I took my two buckets of paint and, and painted my apartment. Now, today, today I would do things differently. Today, I would have, I would have taken it back. Um, in fact, one of the things that I do quite often, something that God's been speaking to me about, is to look for mistakes like that. Uh, whether you're at a grocery store, but it happens a lot at a restaurant. I don't know if you noticed that, but like they'll forget to charge you for a pop or they'll... They'll forget to charge you for an appetizer or something like that. And what I've seen is when I approach the waiter or the waitress or when I go back to the register and I just admit, hey, this isn't right and it's actually in your favor, not mine, they're shocked. They're surprised. Like, thank you so much for being honest because it's unique. It doesn't happen in our culture today. People will complain about a bill being wrong, but it's always because it's wrong not in their favor, you know, and they, they want to make it in their favor. So here's your fill-in. Giving back what is not ours is one way that we can shine the light of Jesus. God tells us to shine our light, and one of the ways we can do that is just being honest and not keeping something that's not ours to keep. Whether it's $1.29 or $45 or $45,000. And I believe that God will reward us when we do that. We're being an influence to others, but God will reward us as well. Another area is taxes. Raise your hand if you've ever cheated on your taxes. No, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. See, when we, when we keep, let me back up, our culture today would tell us, find every questionable loophole that you possibly can, you know, somebody, have somebody pay you in cash so you don't have to report it, you know, all these things, they would tell you, do all this so that you don't have to pay taxes. Now, you know what you're doing in that moment? You're keeping what is not yours to keep. Listen to how Jesus uh, responds to someone questioning him about taxes. He says, Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they were asking him if you should pay your taxes, he said, Give, if it's Caesar's, give it. If you owe it, pay it. Paul addresses it in the book of Romans. He says, This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants, 
who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And when we cheat on our taxes, we're keeping money that is not ours to keep, and it is stealing. We're breaking number eight. The last one, last area, is in the area of tithing. Tithing. Tithing is giving to God 10% of our income. It actually, tithe actually means 10%. When I was young, I thought tithe meant giving God an offering, you know, any money that I would give God. But it actually means 10%. And what I believe is that God gives us 100% of our income to manage, but really 10% of it is His. We're supposed to manage and live on 90% and give Him 10%. And when we don't give God His 10%, then we're hanging on to, we're keeping what is not ours to keep. In the book of Malachi, God actually calls it robbery. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Tithing is a big deal to God. When I first heard about tithing, I knew we were supposed to be generous to the church, and so, you know, I would give to God, but I didn't actually give 10%. Uh, but when I started learning about tithing, I did the math, and I said, that's a lot of money. I can't possibly do that, but I'll give more. And so I gave more, and then I got a raise at work. Okay, I'll give more. I got another raise. I actually then ended up tithing that year. So that was the first year when I really, it was back in my 20s when I had my first real job. And uh, I started tithing to the church. I remember that year because I gave God 10%, but my income went up 25%. So you can do the math. Now God says if we give to him, he will give back to us generously, overflowing. And that's what he does. So I, I, I've seen that in my life. I've seen that as a pastor, you know, counseling people for many years. But um, just this week, I want to share a story with you. I got a text on Friday from a couple who had taken our leadership workshop just a couple of weeks ago. And at the leadership workshop, we talked about tithing. And uh, this couple was, was driving home from the class, and they looked at each other and said, so should we start tithing? Because they had been giving, but they weren't actually giving 10%. And they, they said, well, should we just like start increasing our giving or should we just give like 10%? And they decided, we're just going to go all in and we're going to give 10% of our income with our next paycheck, which happened to be Friday, by the way. And so Friday, the husband's at work, wife wakes up, goes online at 7 o'clock in the morning and tithes like their first time like, a full tithe. At 9.30, her husband calls her and says, you're never going to believe this. I just got a $2 an hour raise, the highest raise I've ever gotten. And she went online and looked, and they had also received 
Did you guys get this Indiana rebate thing, some of you, like a tax? They got unexpected money in their account that same day as well. See, Scripture's pretty clear in this area. If you keep your 10%, God's money, you are under a curse. That's what it says. It's not the pastor of a church asking for money because that's, I mean, you got to give to God. I'm not even saying you give to the church. You give to God your 10%. And if you don't, you're keeping what's not yours to keep. And God says you're under a curse. But then on the other side, he says, but if you give it back to me, my 10%, I will bless you. And I've seen that in my life. I could tell you story after story, but I love seeing it in other people's lives as well. And I'm sure if I asked, there would be person after person after person here today who had made that decision to tithe and has seen the blessings of God. So I encourage you guys, don't hang on to that 10%. That's God's. Give it back to him. It's not yours to keep. And he will bless your socks off. I've seen it so many times. In closing, let me read Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Here's your feeling. Stealing is loving ourselves more than loving God and certainly more than loving others. I'm going to invite Matt to come. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.